episode 20. What did we do today? What did we do today? Well, we had ourselves quite an episode. We had uh, Eric Jean, returning guest, uh, joining us with uh, first-time guest uh, Marc Gervais, who uh, joined us for a very, a very special episode. We discussed role-playing games. Yeah, all about gaming. So, uh, dice, Dungeons and Dragons. Six-sided versus 20-sided. Yes, we kind of got into the whole mystique of it. Uh, what compels people to play it what compels other people to run for their lives whenever they encounter (laughs) role-playing games or people that play it um we got into it it was a really good one yeah it was uh it was amazing it flowed really well yeah i feel like like you and like we say many times much more could be done on the subject and uh the beauty of this podcast obviously is that we can't go back we can go home again. That's right. I think we could do a part two, part three, part four. Easily. Yeah. But uh, for the initiated and uninitiated alike, I think uh, if you've ever wondered what the deal was with those guys with the role-playing games, or if you are a gamer and uh, you want to you wanna laugh a little bit and, and uh, listen to other people talk about their experiences, I think this is a really great episode for that. Absolutely. And a shout out to Mark DeLille, who uh, injured himself, unfortunately, this week. Uh, broke his ankle in two places. Much love to you, man. Yep. We uh, wish you a speedy recovery. Mark is uh, one of our most loyal listeners. One of us. <laughs> He's one, one of, of us. us. One, one of us. us. Yeah, no, a uh, really shitty thing that happened to Mark. Um, and uh, I know that I talked to him a little bit. I reached out. And I know he's on uh, Road to Recovery, but yeah. um, um, I know we know that he tunes into the show. So, yeah, man. We're get, pulling for you, bro. Get well soon. Get well, we man. We need you back on the show. That's right. I actually told him that. I'm like, and when I, when I said, like, we need you back on your feet so you can do the show, he's like, shit, yeah, that's right. Okay. Maybe we'll take the show on the road and bring it to him. Hey, why not? There you go. And while we're on I'm the... I'm sure he's going to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> while we're on the subject of uh, shout-outs, uh, you know... Um, We'd like to thank, once again, everybody that uh, tu- tunes into the show. Thank you. Uh, people who uh, give us feedback. Um, you you know, you may not think that we care, but we definitely care. This episode actually came about because of viewer comments. They wanted us to do this episode, and we kindly obliged, and it was a great one. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, this is totally the kind of thing that evolves organically. I love it. And, you know, in that, in that sphere, I'd like to, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Julie, who uh, I know is a big fan. And tunes in all the time, and we're gonna have you come into the studio as well pretty soon, Judy. Um, she's a photographer as well, an artist, and uh, yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Judy. Episode 20, check it out. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. Hey, Daniel, we're playing D and D tonight. You want to come? Why? Because I think you'd like it. We could show you how to play. I couldn't do that. Yeah, you wouldn't like it anyway. It's really boring. No. No, it isn't, Neil. You love it. We sit around and crack jokes and eat junk food all night while we're fighting dragons and saving princesses and stuff. It's it's pretty fun. And the best part is, you get to pretend to be somebody you can't be in real life. Okay, I'll play. We 
made it. Welcome. It's been 20 years already, Richard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel, I only feel a couple of months older. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel any different to me whatsoever. 20 years have gone by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is Fire in a Hole, episode 2-0. 2-0. I'm Richard. And I'm Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we have with us today, Richard? Uh, you I tell mean, me. <laughs> well, uh, returning guest, Mr. Eric Jean. Hey, hey. Uh, this is your third time on the show. It is. So is this the first? I think this is the first. It's right. the first. Whole first. I'm, I'm going to start considering myself a, an honorary third host. I just, okay. just need you to know. There right, you we, go. we crowned our first lady of Fire in a Hole the other day. <laughs> uh, you could be our, I don't know, hat trick. Um, nice. Nice little hockey reference. Some hockey reference that you would first, appreciate. First man of Fire in the Hole. The first know, does man. That work? <laughs> <laughs> the third man. That's a movie. By, That's true. Uh, a very good movie, actually. And also, uh, um, I was going to say Ricky Gervais, but no, <laughs> his real name is Marc Gervais, right? Hi. But the Anglophones would actually, they, they keep insisting calling him Gervais, right? Ricky Gervais? Yeah. He calls himself Ricky Gervais, and I think this is a, a thing that British uh, people have when they have uh, an incredibly French name. They can't, they, they, they have to deform it because, you know, they can't be British and have a French name. It's, oh, man. Uh, people have a hard time with, with French names, particularly yeah. people from the U.S., my last name is Lajoie, and I get, like, Lahore. Lahore. <laughs> That's the worst one that I got. Like, Lahore. <laughs> Lahore. How like, the hell did they... What? Do? Usually it's, like, Lajoie or Lajoie La or something like that. Can we call you Lajoie from now <laughs> <Yeah>. on? <laughs> and then it's, like, Lahore. I'm like... Well, I remember when we uh, we were we were publishing uh, we were pushing uh, uh, Punisher No Mercy, you know, which is a movie we have to mention every podcast. Every podcast uh, in the U.S. All of, almost all of our guests come from that movie. Everything, life <laughs> itself, really, all started with that uh, fan film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were getting promo calls from podcasts and stuff from the U.S. and the guy would call us ahead of time and be like, "All right, I just want to get some of the names right here." Uh, so you're Jason Ambrose, Am- Ambrose, Ambrose. Okay, Jason Ambrose and uh, Sean Bachu, Sean, and he's like just getting a name. He gets to our director of photography, uh, Jean Maxime Desjardins, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like John Maxim Desjardins, or like yeah. I was like, fuck it. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. the Sarge or whatever, <laughs> the Sarge judge. Good enough. So, uh, Mark Gervais. Or Gervais. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is your first time. Yep. Hopefully not your last time. So uh, thank you for joining us. So uh, we've kind of convened this conclave of sorts. <laughs> With a real topic. A real, an actual topic. We have a topic today. And it was not exactly my idea. I mean, we had, we had, we of course brainstormed subjects here and there based on the people we know. But this time you kind of initiated this. You said, hey, Jason, let's, uh, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seemed like an interesting topic. I don't think it was actually me who initiated it. It was more from comments that we've gotten online. Okay. Some people were asking for a bit of a gamer thing. I don't know if we've got some gamer listeners. I think we've got, we've got a couple. Right. We've had a couple guests, perhaps, that are into Most the deaf. gaming stuff. If they're friends of mine, there's a 70% <laughs> <percent> chance. <laughs> yeah. So we've mentioned it a couple times online, and in the comments, it just come back like, yeah, do do an episode on that. Yeah. So, I, it, it makes sense. Power I mean, to the people. I guess the first step right away is to kind of clarify the word gamer because it's now a word that's that's uh, create creates some confusion, right? You're, yeah, people pride themselves on being gamers. Yes, like, but oh, I'm a gamer. It's unclear whether 
you're talking to when someone says, "Oh yeah, I'm a gamer," they they very likely mean they play video games. I think yeah, so. True. I think I, most of the time. I think yeah. that's the expected standard. You like I'm a gamer. They're like, "Oh, which games do you play?" And they're yeah. expecting to hear a like, Call of Duty, Skyrim, yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. They're they're you know they're expecting World to hear Warcraft. a video game. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, check, or check, Xbox check. or exactly. <laughs> it, it generally has a computer or console related mm-hmm. situation. I guess we started using that term in uh, in the pre massive video game era where it kind of referred to people who played board games, tabletop games. Yeah. Well, because uh, video games used to just be something you played, right? Like, well, I don't know. I grew up with Nintendo and Genesis and all that stuff, and I had a Commodore 64. I mean, I've been playing video games forever, but I wouldn't have called myself a gamer when I was 14. I was just 14. That's what 14-year-olds mm-hmm. do. They play video games, right? right. By default, yeah. you're And it wasn't. Yeah. it was certainly not a culture when we were kids. No. No. Right? No. The right. programming side of it was, though. There was a whole culture of video game making, but like, not the gamers, not so much. That makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Because uh, the first wave of video games uh, it was all kind of basement uh, type operations. One or two people. Yeah, literally. one diskette. Yeah, you know, 1.44 megs. Right. <laughs> three, three guys banging out a whole game by themselves yeah. and mm-hmm. kind of uh, producing these uh, rough games, but that we still go back to today because yeah. they're so basic. Okay, so to define... Specifically, the topic we're landing on today is not so much gamers, but uh, people who, shall we say, we call them role players. How role playing we... games, yeah. Yeah, role playing games. So yeah, there's been always kind of two camps. There's like the tabletop games and the role playing games. The six sided die, which we're totally down with. And then right. if you play with more than six sides, and you're a fucking nerd, <laughs> <laughs> or you're part of some Careful, secret, Richard, you're 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 outnumbered. You are. I am outnumbered. It's okay. You're in my house though. You're heavily it's outnumbered true. today. Yeah. Yeah. So would we call that a dichotomy? Oh, oh man. You're lucky it's your show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, so I guess we would all identify as trans gamer. No, uh, we would all tra- identify as role players. And yeah. Right? Yeah. Would you say well, you role playing game, uh, people who play role playing games can play the tabletop games, but yeah, yeah. there's only a few people who will do the, the opposite. Right, who will go from Monopoly to playing Dungeons and Dragons? Right, it's not yeah. the same experience. Right, it's another level. A little bit. Yeah. It almost would you say it's almost like a different? It's a different well, thing. Part of the thing that makes it different, um, without sort of getting ahead of the topic, is that traditional role play, uh, traditional board games, have one winner, and there's no like the opposition is the other people that you're playing against, right? So if you're playing Monopoly, the goal is to beat out everyone and have all the money, right? And own enough property that everyone's like, I can't compete with you. Whereas role-playing games are communal. There's like, there's a person directing the action, but there's no, there's no winner. Like ideally everybody wins because everybody has a good time. There are increasingly board games that work that way, that are cooperative board games where people play against the, and those may become a little bit closer, but. um, You could say that role-playing games have kind of influenced board games in that way. I think so. And possibly even video games have kind of rubbed off, I, I don't like using that expression, uh, <laughs> on on uh, board games because the interactivity of them and the uh, uh, opening up the freedom of of expression and of, of manipulation is certainly seems to be what everybody wants, right? More interactivity, uh, more creativity, more uh, say on what you're doing in the game rather than just, uh, okay, you're the orange little thing and then you got to move it across the board Mm -hmm. okay so mark how many years have you how how, when did it start for you the the romance with Um, role-playing 
I started young. I was like 12. My sister uh, used to play. And, uh, Your sister? She, That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> she was uh, like five years older. Mm-hmm. She still is. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> uh, made a, a character and uh, that was it. Started playing with friends and all. So she would play with, she had her own group? Uh, yeah, yeah. And they would play it like at your house? Uh, yeah, or at uh, the one's uh, place. But uh, f- first time I just made a character, I didn't actually play with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, did you, did, how, like, were you just curious about what they were doing? Yeah. And you were like flipping through the books? Is yeah, that- I went through the books a couple of times and I was like, oh, can you tell me more about that? And so. Uh, I've, I uh, ended, the other. yeah. I uh, borrowed the, her books and started playing with friends and uh, went on and on and on. And uh, I played for like maybe uh, 15 years, yeah, maybe 10, 10 15 years. Uh, then I stopped kids, friends uh, having kids, yeah. um, adulthood. Uh, Yes, adulthood. <laughs> you, you did what's what a lot of role players actually end up deferring is grow. You grew up, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. But at, at least for somebody in that context, I mean, I, I started playing at the exact same age. I was twelve. Uh, I don't remember my. I think the point of contact uh, was. We're all sounding like we, we like when I was when I first did drugs or yeah. when I joined Al- Al- Qaeda. <laughs> my first drug. experience was my first experience was <laughs> I didn't like it. It was very uncomfortable. Uh, but you never forget it. You never forget that actually <laughs> describes my first role playing experience pretty well. I didn't <laughs> like it. It was very uncomfortable. But anyways, yeah. So I, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that it was a kid in my class who was like, "Hey, check out this book. I stole it from my brother." You know, and a couple of years older than him, we're like, oh, there's knights and dragons and shit on it. What is this? Well, it's a game and you can be what you want to be. You're like, what? <laughs> what 12 year old doesn't immediately lose their minds yeah. if there are no video games at this point on any sort of level that we have today? Where I guess that that invitation is less appealing maybe today where you could just go and create a character for 16 hours on your PlayStation. But Certainly at that stage of my life, I was like, this is the most incredible thing. You could hand a 12-year-old an opportunity to just go as far as they want to in your imagination. And of course, knights, dragons, monsters, heroes, it's all there, right? Yeah. So was it approximately the same age for you? Uh, Yeah, I was about maybe 13. I I actually, I don't remember how I'd heard about it, but I'd never played. And I asked for the books for Christmas, like the three core books. Um, And I got them. My My mother got them for me. Uh, and so I'd read through all of them and I went and bought out like two other source books on top of it before I ever made my first uh, my first character to play. Um, but finally, I, I bothered Julian, uh, Julian Smith, who we know and has been on the show before, yep. uh, who had started a little sooner. And it turns you just, out you just outed Julian, by the way, as a, as that's a, okay. as a role playing game. He, he, he himself <laughs> has outed himself uh, on many occasions. But the... Uh, um, yeah, and I guess we, we started playing uh, with a couple other friends we had in high school, and that was it. Dungeons and Dragons, and then eventually other games and stuff, too. So, but. Richard, there must have been Dungeons and Dragons around you, even though you didn't get Yeah, it. yeah, I think I, 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 I played even a game at one point. It, just, it wasn't it wasn't my thing. Like, I was brought in as, like, a guest, and he's like, yeah, yeah, just roll this die, and 
answer these questions. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I just like, okay, I'm gonna go ride my bike now. <laughs> so to you, it just seemed like it was a weird, culty thing, or yeah, a little bit. And like, as you're talking about like the the core books, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And yeah. like, I don't know really how it works. I know that there's there's like a like a dungeon master or like yeah. some guy who like leads the whole thing. Well, the, like playing, like he presents the scenarios to you. You have your character. He gives you like all these situations. You decide what you want to do. You roll a die, and then based on the roll of the die, you either succeed or fail at that particular that thing. Sounds like you have a pretty good grasp, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bright guy. You know? I don't yeah, know much about it, thing. but here's everything that it is. <laughs> yeah. is. Is that actually true? I, that's yeah. When you on. reduce it to like its basics, that's yeah. pretty much how it works, right? The rules are there to determine outcomes of things that are not certain. Right. So most of the time that involves things like combat where, okay, do I hit the guy? Do I not? Hmm. Um, but that's, that's generally, that's generally it, right? So if you say you're getting out of bed in the morning, like, yeah, you don't really have to do anything. It just kind of happens. But if you're trying, if you're competing with someone for something, then you have to figure out who's winning. And that's what the, the dice are. I mean, there are other mechanics, games that use different means right. of, of doing that, but dice is the most, die are the most common. And if you've ever played like Final Fantasy or any other game. Well, now there's like, a, a straight reference. Like video games are very easy to like show now yeah. as an example. Yeah. Right. So you have like your dexterity, your strength, like speed and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like these are all things that are kind of like set up. You get yeah. like plus ones, plus minus ones. Well, actually and, role-playing games were pretty much used uh, straight as a straight um, transplant into video games once those options became available right, right. Yeah. the minute games started to become uh, you know uh, you could customize your character and decide what color his hair is and what piece of armor mm-hmm. they all they like directly uh, took uh, open source uh, gaming licenses or gaming systems that were available um, they the computer itself actually simulates the die rolling internally right yeah. That's what the game does. It, right. it runs probabilities. It, it takes all the math that you normally have to do when you're at the table and just outsources it to the computer, and you just click and you get your results, right? As mm. opposed to having to go, oh wait, okay, so that's seventeen plus. Like you have, you know, actually have to calculate it at the table to figure out what your end result is. And does your character kind of evolve over time and get like more of a certain attribute as you as you go along, or like you have to pick up? Like it, items it, honestly, in order to get like the, a better the, armor. To the simple answer is yes. For generally, most systems have a way that your character will evolve. You either get better at things or get stronger, or whatever. Mm. Uh, but there are a few games out there where it's pretty static, uh, and those games tend to be designed for shorter. Uh, so you don't play quite as long. The idea is that you're you're only playing three or four times, and then you're going to move on to something else. But most of them that are long standing, there's a progression, and as you go along, you do get a little more powerful. Or is that where like all the classes come from? Yeah, like that you have in like World of Warcraft, for instance. You could be like a warrior, or you can be a thief, or you can be a, same thing, a mage. Or, yeah, I mean, imagine yeah. a game where it has to happen almost entirely in the in the imagination of people. Right. They are sitting down in a room with no electronics, no nothing, just paper, pencils, and dice. And they're co-creating a, a virtual place, right? Mm-hmm. Now this sounds exactly like a video game, but you're just doing it mentally. And so because this virtual place needs physics, it needs gravity, it needs... You know, well, especially the made-up stuff, right? All the magic and stuff that goes into it. You're like, physics for throwing a ball is pretty simple. We actually have real-life 
know, we can kind of approximate how that would work, but figuring out how far a fireball can be thrown and how much damage it does needs to be figured out within the physics yeah. of the everything that the like world. you put it best eric uh everything that this now outsourced in the video game to the computer uh and to writers who script all these um npcs right these non-player characters that you run into the shopkeeper the guy that sells you armor all that that was all one guy's fucking job <laughs> or one girl's job so that person had to use the books as reference uh thematically but had to put you there through description verbal and description and maybe drawings right so it's 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 a hell of a job when you think about it um and it's easy to dismiss i guess maybe that's one of the weird and maybe mark you'll agree or disagree with me to someone not in initiated or in the know approaching a role-playing situation a bunch of gamers playing I guess one of the weirdnesses is it's just a bunch of people sitting around a table looking at each other and talking. <laughs> yeah. But they seem really, really excited and engrossed, and it it doesn't quite make sense because you're like, okay, sure, you can kick it with some friends, but no one's yelling, really. Everyone's kind of calm sitting around the table, and there's one person like waving their hands around a lot, <laughs> and everyone's listening to every fucking word that person's saying, and that's we don't really find that in society, right? You, the, the game, in fact, is invisible to an outsider. So, I would you yeah, agree? Yeah, yeah. It's not like the the video game that you like an RPG uh, on on a console or on PC that <coughs> you have a linear thing and you have to do uh, X quest and do that, go kill uh, ten creatures or something like that. It's you. You still have a set of basic rules that like is the core of the video game if you can say but yeah there are motivations like, that are yeah put there. yeah but you can do like anything within the rules but anything you don't have to go kill x goblins or yeah something like that. for whatever reason yeah. that you're like you know what i don't think these goblins need to die like yeah. that's a legit choice as opposed to video game which is limited by its very nature to giving you options to pick from right like you want to do a b or c well, role-playing games allow you to invent option D to go and do something else or find a different way of resolving yeah. the problem, right? It's freestyling. It's very yeah. freestyling. <laughs> and it's a particularly interesting when you get somebody who was shaped by role-playing games, to, uh, you know, pen and, pen and pencil. No, paper, paper, pencil. Paper and pencil or paper and pen games. When they entered the video game realm, <clears throat> we were probably some of the people stopping the car during a race and trying to run off the track. And like being disappointed at the fact that you were locked <laughs> you in. Do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, this is bullshit. So when they opened the the games, when they became sandboxes, like people like us lost it. Like GTA style. We've been waiting for video <laughs> games to get to where our brains have been since we were 12, <laughs> yeah. right? But the but the whole thing with the role playing game is the human element, right? The fact True. is, no matter how sophisticated you could make a video game, there is going to be a limited amount of stuff they can put into it. Whereas when you have a bunch of human beings sitting around a table, you, the, the, the game, the person running the game, if you want to use the computer game, you know, the dungeon master or whatever you want to call them, they can react to what you're saying and essentially rewrite the program to suit the decisions that you've made rather than, like you said, well, I can't get off the track I want to. The person running the game can say, wait a second. Okay, you want to get off the track? No problem. What would that look yeah, like? There's a path. Oh. Okay, great. Yeah. Let's figure it out and let's go that way. And, you know, that sounds like it can be fun, so let's do it. That's an interesting thing, like, the, the fact that, like, 
if you're sitting there playing a video game, even if you're playing with some buddies, uh, as Eric was was mentioning in the la- last uh, podcast, that you just kind of have He's this. He's a level like, designer from Ubisoft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that Eric. Yeah. I, I know that Eric. Yeah, that right. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was saying like you just kind of have this like slack jawed like zombie kind of stare at the screen. It's like if you're you're playing video games, like you kind of come out of it after a couple of hours, like oh, you know, you're still here. Again. Yeah. But this is like a very social environment, yeah. right? This yeah. is, this is, this I is think social it's the big interaction. Irony. That's the big irony of it because people, you know, for longest time were kind of ostracized as nerds that didn't know how to get along with society and yet their favorite pastime was incredibly social right incredibly there's social a, there's a popular meme about that right with a picture of gary gygax the creator of dungeons and dragons and it's it's like uh created a game for nerds requires friends yeah, to yeah. Play, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. which that's is good. yeah that's an excellent point yeah. yeah and it's created like like really like uh, like a core group of people like yeah like yeah. i've never really seen anything that that was so inclusive and also exclusion i'd actually read i'd actually read somewhere some research uh during my english degree about uh storytelling and role-playing games and one of the things that they discovered is that people who have those types of shared experiences tend to form faster and deeper bonds of friendship even if they're not talking about anything that has to do with real life the fact that working with other people to create this stuff meant you felt almost immediate connection to them, right? You'd play for four or five hours and then be like, yeah, okay, cool. Mark, he's like, he's my friend. I've known him forever, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the feeling that comes away from We've it. fought battles together. Exactly. Literally. Cool. Yeah. It's it's Chief O'Brien and uh, I just, just got super nerdy. It's <laughs> Chief O'Brien and, and, and Dr. Bashir. Yeah. On the background of every DS9 episode, walking by in costume going like, man, that was awesome as they coming and going from the holodeck. Reliving, sure. reliving yeah, some sort of Irish or battle. Yeah, they're or yeah. they're dressed as World War One pilots or whatever. Yeah. And they, like they're like, man, that was a good one. And that's literally what you're doing. You're living these experiences. I mean, Mark was actually telling me over over uh, dinner uh, about uh, you were telling me about your boss who was talking about his son. You, you mind yeah. telling that story? Uh, he was talking about uh, his son played uh, World of Warcraft, and uh, he was saying like, my son is 15. And he's leading raids with uh, like other people, uh, like forty other people. Yeah, it's at twenty-five is the size of the raid. Yeah, but at the start it was like oh yeah, yeah, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, these are people between from the age of from twelve to sixty. Yeah. And at f- at fifteen, he's coordinating coordinating all that. I mean. Yeah, that counts for something. Absolutely, you know? he's literally Absolutely. he's running a clan <clears throat> online, right? He's managing their resources. He's he's overseeing strategies. He's having discussions. Fifteen year old, and he's like, Heck, a, I've, I don't even want to run no. raids for World of Warcraft. <laughs> like, I can barely run them, let alone like be the guy in charge. Like, right? That. But I never the, know who you get either. You know, yeah. The context Leroy. in which <laughs> Leroy, <laughs> <laughs> the, the context under which Mark presented this was like. Uh, if you go back to that age-old sort of prejudice against video games, they're like, oh, you're wasting your time. Oh, this is for dummies. You're like, yeah, look at this 15-year-old kid running a community of adults to children and coordinating all these things. Perhaps, you know, perhaps you've, mis- uh, you've underestimated uh, what, what, what's, what's possible here. So certainly there's some of that in uh, regular tabletop. It is a community, but the, the game forces people to cooperate. Or at least 
to deal with issues if they're not cooperating, where there are consequences. It never works if you don't cooperate. I mean, that's the whole the whole game. Most of them, some are a little different, but most of them are designed that way. Every type of character has a kind of role to fulfill, right? So when Mark and I play, uh, well, Mark's been running the game right now, but I'm the healer. So my job is to make sure every nobody dies so that they can beat up on the monster. And if I'm not working with them and if they're not respecting the limits of what I can do to keep them alive, like they're going to die. So you have to kind of talk strategy beforehand and figure out, okay, how are we going to tackle this? Like, okay, what, what skills do you have? Like, okay, cool. You can turn into a, a, an eagle and you can fly off and do this. Like, okay, great. We could use that. And like... And like you literally have your like you plan it out like it's like a this this seems like you know project management it seems like you know all the stuff that you need in real life you pretty know, much to get yeah. people we learn to cooperate and <clears throat> yeah we, we build a chemistry too with mm-hmm. with the other players and uh, um, another thing that is uh, interesting is that. Um, compared to the video games where you need to like beat that guy or do this strat and then uh, you go to phase two you do something else phase three you do something else uh everything is organic in the in the tabletop role-playing games it's uh the dm comes in with uh, the challenges and even the players can add up to that and it all builds up in a big epic story uh, if you're uh, lucky <laughs> yeah. yeah well and the best part of it i know when i run games the best part of it is when like the players come up with things i haven't even imagined as solutions we have a very famous moment where julian's character hid inside of a giant turkey to get access to some like <laughs> secret and i was like you know it started off as a joke and i'm like that sounds like so much fun like i don't care we're making it happen or stuffing him in a turkey and let's let's do this right and i think not in a million years would i have thought about it but it made a really incredible kind of like i don't know memorable at the very he least did he there, survive he did he, he uh, killed the bit or <laughs> subdued the big bad guy covered in stuffing and cranberries <laughs> and again, oh, uh, now you might wonder good you, for you julian yeah but like when you listen to this it sounds completely mental right <laughs> it sounds completely fucking mental <laughs> yeah but like you hid inside a turkey and this was fun mm. you imagined that you were inside of a turkey <clears throat> why is this in, right because out of context any segment of a game retold to someone who doesn't play that's true or even someone who plays but wasn't at that game is a bit useless <laughs> yeah that's why that's yeah. why the the biggest the, one of the big uh, unofficial taboos of role-playing games is like when you meet other role players don't tell them about your characters yeah it's like it's an incredibly Sorry, incredibly no like it's it's just it, it's not a hard and fast rule and obviously if you've known someone for a while eventually they they may be interested but yeah taken out of context it's just like i don't understand any of this this doesn't make mm. even if you know the game you're like uh but I mean, I it's like, okay, in it's it. like being, a, I don't know, like an accountant and you're talking to another accountant and you're like, and then I, I made an extra tab on the Excel sheet <laughs> and that number was never rounded down again. And the other person understands the words that are coming out of your mouth, but they're like, I, none of the context is there for me. You just told me you created a tab on an Excel spreadsheet. How, how could this possibly, I can't relate to it. Sorry. Hmm. So I understand your sort of like okay turkey okay you look really happy though when you're telling me this story but (laughs) so i'll be i'll join your happiness but i still don't know what the fuck you're talking about well in any story i think if you take 
just like a segment of it out of context it doesn't really make any sense yeah well it's funny too because the the weirdness that uh, jason was talking about before right about like it's the idea of like half a dozen people sitting around a table kind of staring at each other the, the other factor is that a lot of times it's very intimidating as, as you pointed out right you're like uh, you mentioned these three core books i have no idea what this means and stacked together that we're talking about like three inches worth of you know eight by eight and a half by eleven type pages filled with relatively small scrawl that explains the rules of the games and that's like that's a big turnoff for most people who may be interested in it they're like you mean i have to read all of this before i play and like, that's how reason, i started the same reason not, i didn't get into coding is like yeah. read that giant c++ book <laughs> with all yeah. these fucking tables and charts and graphs and yeah and that's all that, but all that stuff is kind of part of the context of it too right because when you explain like oh and then i totally landed this amazing hit and like uh okay but someone who knows the rules will be like, all right, I, I know how much of a long shot that is or and how dramatic it is when it actually pays off in game that like you get that one in a million shot, right? It, like, it's right. all about the experience, really. Yeah. Were you hooked right away, Mark, when you started playing? Like, yeah. Was it you were like, yeah. I'm home? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because <laughs> it was instantaneous for me, too. Yeah. I, I think as 12-year-olds, that, that's another aspect of uh, role-playing games when you're a kid that's really interesting is you're not playing, you, you are entering, we've all entered it as not fully formed individuals, right? Yeah. We're at this wild stage of like emotions starting to be out of control, body changing. Well, all and you're looking stuff. for a place to fit in, right? Like that whole coming home thing when you're 12 or 13 and you feel like you found your bunch of buddies right. and you all like the same it's thing huge. and you have a huge amount of fun, like that's powerful. It's super powerful, right? Yeah. For, I mean, from the outside, it seems like there's a bond there yeah. yeah you know there's a bond there that i've never necessarily had with anybody like i can play as many video games as i want but it seems like there's like a there's a certain something there when you've gamed with with people it's like on. any club really right i mean yeah uh, i wouldn't judge it necessarily also by the way that what happened to us because uh my experience with meeting eric with meeting julian with meeting kurt with meeting sam all those guys specifically julian kurt and yourself eric is that we met through gaming, then we became fast friends. I would, however, not discount the role-playing experience as having been a conduit, a direct conduit to that. Like facilitated it. It facilitated it because, and this is maybe a, a topic on its own, even though you're playing uh, a fantastic character, an elf, a dragon, whatever the hell you're playing, we've never played dragons. Gene, can you write that down? Well, I'd love to. Right. You, you make fun down. of me. You make fun of me every no, time no, I, no. I suggest something like that. But the, the point is... Down in pen. Thank you. <laughs> no matter what it is that you do and how wild and out of reality it may be, the fact is, this is kind of a, maybe not a therapy session, but you leave, your, you leave yourself at that table every night. Yeah. If you care about the game. True. For sure. There's some aspect of you in all of those characters. You're either trying to play against type. You're like, I'm a quiet guy. I'm going to play a shouty dude. Uh, or you try to make something uh, completely away from what you are, and you realize after a, a year or two of playing it, you're like, holy shit, I was, I was playing out some sort of deep-seated thing in my, in my mind, in my soul, right? Uh, in my case, when I first met them, and I'm not telling you about your, my character. <laughs> it just so happens that I made this, this. I made a character that was completely different from myself. Right? It's your show. Yeah. I made a. <laughs> I made a brute. I made a soldier. I made this a, a war veteran. None of these right. things have ever actually interested me in real life. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I'm in pure fantasy mode now. This is away from Jason. 
only to realize years later that the whole crux of this character was he was he didn't know his past hmm. and he was he was like he had amnesia right and i realized i think the guys made me realize that what i was playing out in this character without realizing it is my own sense of not really having a direct tie to my past as an immigrant and not knowing exactly what my family history is oh shit yeah it got deep right that is fucking deep man but it took years for me to actually click that that's what I, so it you end up playing some part you end up leaving some part of yourself on the table whether you're there for a good time or whether you're there to deal with your issues which i can identify to a degree i don't know like the those star wars games where you had to like choose the light side or the dark side you know mm-hmm. like i tried to play a bunch of times just be like a dick and like you know go to <laughs> the dark hard. side and get like the lightning powers and choke people and shit yeah or you go to the light side and always like you know you're always kind of nice to people and you know you listen to their problems and so you've, you've tried play evil but you always like oh, I, I tried playing evil i couldn't do I'm gonna it help I just, this I, one guy I'm yeah, help yeah, this yeah. One Guy. exactly and then i just always go back to like the healing and stuff, i can't kill know? this kid i can't and so of course yeah. there's an element of yourself that goes into your character right like in right. the choices that you make in the game are similar to choices that you would make in life yeah right like if you're, you're placed with, uh, with the moral dilemma like you're, you're going to go on one side or the other yeah would you say that you guys play according to your own morals a lot of the time or do you try to go both are answer. fun <clears throat> yeah. you can go for uh all in the i'm the civil guy and all or i'm a big badass and uh, don't give a fuck about that <laughs> anyone and which uh, do you prefer <laughs> depends on the circum- circumstances and which who i play okay also yeah yeah group the type of game could make a big difference too there, there's a game i used to play jason played a little bit it's a game called wraith where you are literally playing someone who's dead. And the whole premise of the game is you have some regrets and unfinished business around. And that game was very, very, it's very difficult to play because it's emotionally very, very demanding. You have to make a person who's fucked up certain elements of their life, horrible tragedy often. Like in every other them. game, you're trying to stay alive. Yeah, in most of the, yeah, well, that's that too. <laughs> but, and, and a game like that, is it's very I find it's very very difficult to make a character that's very different from yourself because it, it's just so personal. close and very very personal and you ha- always have someone else who's playing your kind of darker half at the same time wow. and and sometimes you have to be careful though not to get too close to yourself because they may accidentally hit some sensitive nerves right so a game like that is like on one complete extreme I'd put Dungeons and Dragons kind of on the other edge where most of it it's generally lighthearted. Um, morality is generally pretty clear right like good guys have good powers and bad kind of like the star wars example that you're using right like you kind of wear that on your sleeve to some extent and so it's a little easier to kind of abstract that and be like okay this this person or a black cloak yeah like this person make a different a decision that's different from me and it's fairly easy to separate them but i i I do like playing characters that would disagree with me Hmm. or that are are extreme in ways that i don't tend it's like to a be. lab there's a there's a laboratory a personality behavioral psychological laboratory aspect to gaming yeah that is unprecedented and it's it doesn't surprise me at all to see role-playing as insects right we, when you hear role-playing you think about role-playing in bed <laughs> there yeah. there's i'm sure that as funny and as comical as that is yeah it is about trying things and searching and 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 kind of 
leaving your body or your who you are mm-hmm. and 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 like spicing things up a little bit uh, yeah. role playing is used uh, in therapy it I used- was about to say like it sounds like therapeutic not I I'm not, I wouldn't say a therapy session but I would say that it seems like an exercise that would be very therapeutic I where think- you, you could work out some issues that were not necessarily like really related to what you're talking about but you could explore other avenues I feel other- it's very good for developing um, empathy like an understanding of other people's point of view and realities because you spend so much time and especially like I've made hundreds of characters over the years many of them many of them with very very different outlooks uh, situations and whatever and it's kind of hard if you're actually getting into it you're trying to get into the mentality of being like okay I'm a character who's poor I'm a character who's you it really opens up to kind of like, oh, wait, I'd never really realized that this would be a hurdle for someone who had this particular That's a really background. good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. It seems like we're all kind of stuck in our own situations yeah. and we're, you know, egotistical in our own ways and self-involved, like we're in our own problems all the time. Like if you're going to play these other characters in other situations, like that seems like a really cool thing. And also a really cool thing to do at as you're developing you know like yeah, as right? a young kid you know in puberty kind of just yeah. still kind of figuring out who you are to explore the, all these other or even just venting getting it out of your system yeah. that you're like okay we're all playing assholes and we're going to do this for a couple of weeks and yeah. you're like all right turns out that you know murdering children and stealing everything from the village is not as much fun as maybe you thought it was yeah maybe i don't want to do, <laughs> do, you, do you think you get that out of your system to to a degree I just I find uh, from a role playing perspective, I just find that evil bad characters, the, the ones that are sort of cartoony bad, anyways, it's just not interesting. There's no nuance. There's no. You're just like if you're always picking the choice of being an asshole, it's it's kind of boring. It's much more interesting to have a character who thinks they're good, but that have a few weaknesses or a few shadows, and that there are moments where they maybe lose it and they don't act as good as they'd like to think, and then you have that balancing act of like. You know, like most people, all in the life. great villains think they're they were yeah. they were actually but, but they don't think the of themselves. Yeah, it's not like I'm going to destroy the environment I mean, for no reason. Those are fun yeah. for Captain Planet, you know. But the real, all the good villains are tragic. Yeah, they either slipped somewhere, or they've fallen into a like. Well, I'm doing this for the greater well, it's, good. It's also the same logic for the heroes, right? Like, I'd argue Batman is way more interesting to me than Superman because Superman sure. just a little too good. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, Batman has. He has edges to him that make him more problematic, like more difficult to walking, become. walking the the good and evil line. Yeah, very much the, so. Yeah, even yeah. Darth Vader had kind of like a a justification for what he was doing at some point, right? Right. Where he, at the crux of the like the climax of the whole uh, tri- original trilogy, he what he says to Luke is something to the effect of, "Let's fucking kill this decrepit, this decrepit creep." emperor guy let's rule the galaxy together there'll be peace like he yeah. wanted redemption right yeah and if one side wins yeah then there's no conflict anymore we can end this yeah right so and that's coming it's a from a form of peace the bad guy of bad guys yeah it's it's misguided but he still wants something he wants to rule the galaxy with his son he wants his son back even though he's like a fucking machine now mm. so 
if the baddest of the bad, yeah, like like Eric said, there's really no or very limited fun in like, hey, 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 let's just raid every town. Yeah, or vice versa. Like, I'm always good. I never mess up. I'm never tempted. I'm always perfect. You're like, yeah, it gets old pretty quick. Yeah, it needs to be kind of kind of mixed. I guess what I was trying to get to is that um, I think for for me, like I I did a lot of martial arts around that time. You know, like twelve. 12, 13. And that I might have feel, been a good use of my time. <laughs> I feel like I, I got a lot of stuff out of my system and I ended up being less of a dick as a result. So would you guys think that... More getting, more dick, bigger dicks than ever. You guys would no. be... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it certainly helped us deal with, with security issues. I think Eric uh, and both Mark point of, pointed out, like uh, sec- insecurity is a problem, period, for adults. But for a 12-year-old, like... A single day of people just rejecting you can ruin your life. It's your everything, you mm. know. And to have this safe place to go to, these yeah. guys, these girls, whatever, these people who that that cult, that clan, that there's that no buy-in. You will role play with. You walk into yeah. the clubhouse, you're and, yourself, and uh, mm-hmm. but you can explore yourself. some things yeah. that you yeah. would wouldn't be able to explore on like the school playground, let's say, without yeah. risking ridicule. You can kind of explore these these yeah. different questions well, it's, it's funny too because mark just kind of nailed it he's like because you get to be yourself and that's kind of the weird irony of the whole thing is that's you spend your whole time preparing like pretending you're someone else but you're ironically really you never feel more yourself than when you're with these people doing this thing you're like you're so right yeah. about that everybody's on board everyone's together and you know it, when it ends it ends but like you kind of feel like you spent that time being yourself in a funny kind of way. Well, I guess you get to know yourself more if you put yourself in all these different characters and all these different situations. It's it's all what you would do if you were in those situations. Whether you're trying to go good or trying to go bad or in this world or in that world, it's all ends up being Maybe you. at the first so, level, yeah. At the, at, so at you the end initial... up knowing yourself a bit more, which is kind of the process yeah. of growing up, right? Like if you're... Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a teenage boy, like the whole question is, who the fuck am I? Yeah, would I take the wallet if I found it? Would I give it back? Would I take advantage of that girl, you know, at the party, or would I, you know, like to drive her home? Would I fight that guy if he confronts me? Would I, you know, go get hide behind someone else? Yeah, it makes you confront all these uneasy uneasy things. But mm. there's there's always a strange duality to role playing games. Because at once it's also very, it, it it segregates things in a certain way. It categorizes everything yep. because it needs to, right? So there could be many, many funny sort of allegories or, or, or parallels drawn between, say, uh, massacring orcs. Orcs are like the perennial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, it, when in doubt, throw some orcs in. Yeah, the go to yeah. bad guys, the, I guess you would call them like the stormtroopers of the Dungeons and Dragons. Kind world. of. Right, they can be slaughtered. <laughs> they can be slaughtered like goblins. <laughs> and not feel bad about it. I had a friend who famously anyway. said that, and then it didn't go very well. <laughs> right. But, but they're kind of monstrous, um, alien-like creatures. Therefore, <clears throat> you can kind of slaughter them or fight them and not feel the humanity of murder in a game. Mm. But at the same time, it makes you confront murder. Uh, uh, in a, in a, and and, and uh, you know other dark things, depending on how the game is going where you kind of have to sort of it's like it has some racist aspects to it because based on what kind of race you play you get advantages and disadvantages right mm-hmm. oh yeah that's true right yeah. so as an yeah. elf you you're prettier you hear things you're lighter on your you have a lighter step you're you're agile right as a human mm-hmm. they always human is always the default middle ground race 
and then if you're this, you get this advantage, right? So it's very racist in that way. Yeah. And they clearly it's written into the rule where sometimes <coughs> they're like, oh, you know, well, dwarves and, and elves. elves. Well, <laughs> there's you know, even Starcraft, the same thing. Protoss, Zerg, and human. You know, right? Same thing. It's the same idea, and but there's literally there's Shout like racial slurs suggested in the books. You know, like you're a dwarf, you see an elf, you call him a dandelion eater or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. right? So, but it wasn't. Ri- it wasn't. And the ri- elf is like, are you a boy or a girl? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but these weren't written in with the idea of creating uh, hostility and separation. They just they, they they had to kind of categorize things. And uh, well, because it, it actually plays it plays to there are there's a, a story appeal to the games. But there's also, like, I love the rules. Like, I've always loved them. I know them pretty well, and I love knowing what I can do with them. And the happiest moment for me is when I make a character, and the rules, the game rules that I've selected for my character perfectly reflect the idea that I have in terms of strengths and weaknesses, right? And so a lot of this stuff with the races plays into that, that if you make a choice, you want it to have a game impact, not just, well, I look different because I'm an elf. You want... There are certain benefits that you may want and certain hindrances that you may want as well as part of your character and that you know you you want that to be reflected so that well maybe every so often it is harder for you to re- to resist certain things because you're an elf or you know it's easier because you know the same so, same reason and and that, so here's an example so i give an example of how it can be really racist and kind of weird right <laughs> and segregated but then on the other end i haven't seen a single system that doesn't have uh a uh, polytheistic multiple gods where clerics or priests of various faiths and people who are beholden to different gods and, and powers, divine powers adventure together so it's also incredibly inclusive because a party will generally have an elf, a dwarf um, uh, a wizard, a fighter a this, a that so it is in fact very inclusive multicultural and but they all have their own distinct strengths and weaknesses yeah and they're cel- we kind of yeah. celebrate them right and you yeah. and, and in, in how dare you how <laughs> dare you sir <laughs> <laughs> and in fights you start to coordinate like football you know you're like oh shit all right send the dwarf in because he's going to hold the line okay wizard up on the hill thief start backstabbing because that's your skill you know dude mm-hmm. with the bow you start so it again comes back to this cooperation i don't know yeah, Mark, that, if you see it this way that's a good uh, a good point that you have like all the role-playing uh, part of it which uh, is a personal inv- investment and all but you, all, you also have the like let's beat the bad guy and let's find the best way to do it <clears throat> and since there's no like uh, like in a video game that you have like to do that do that do that you have like a clean board to find the most uh, fun and amazing way to do it like the the turkey uh, <laughs> the turkey thing like the turkey exactly yeah. the turkey the so, turkey uh, principle <coughs> will be eric's next novel <laughs> it's all about the the moment the the way you found that is a uh, the funnier or the most efficient or whatever uh, suits you so it's all depending on the on your group how do you yeah. want to play it and yeah a, lo- a lot of it has to do with that too is that 
there are about as many different ways to play role-playing games as there are groups playing role-playing games, right? Some groups really, really love problem solving. And so if you, mm -hmm. their DM comes in and gives them a puzzle and they spend three hours working on it, they'd love that. I fucking hate that shit. I'm like, <laughs> I, I much prefer sessions that are really light on conflict, but that involve a lot of um, talking, a lot of getting to know the people that like the characters that I'm playing with and also other people within the game they're, they're sort of made up characters and interacting with those like I love that type of stuff but I also love a good combat when like and so like there's there's kind of a mix that works for every group I know that famously uh, when Jason runs a game Julian's like I'm dying for combat because we've played twice and like we haven't fought anything I'm fine with that but you know like and so you're trying to juggle the different styles and preferences of different players and kind of mix it up and so and like some other people they don't want to role play at all they're just like i'm a dwarf i'm a stereotypical dwarf i just want to smash things <laughs> and 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 that's okay too right like it's it really depends it on like mark said the yeah. different uh preferences of each group well what seems really cool about the whole thing is that you get to choose the group that you play with yeah. Um, unlike when you're playing online video games where it's just like douchebags <laughs> galore, you know? That might like, be my resistance <laughs> to multiplayer games. I just realized that might be it. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the big struggle. I'm very picky about who comes through my door to who I let into that environment. That's why I almost never play online. Yeah. I always play somebody Close on, on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was my fear, like on a sort of mini tangent. That was my fear forever. And I only started playing World of Warcraft because my brother and my dad play. And they were like, they'd hounded me for years to play with them. And I found that, yeah, you're always going to get this occasional asshole, but you're not obliged to group up with anybody you don't want to. And most people are actually pretty okay and pretty nice. So if you manage to, if, if you search even just a little bit, you'll find a, a group of people, a guild or whatever that you get along with. And, there, you know, there's no drama and BS and you don't have to deal with that crap. So yeah, that actually seems to be the exception to the rule, though. Like, but I actually, most games but I feel that for like... role-playing games, we've had the same kind of thing in the past. I mean, we've, Jason and I have been playing for years and we have occasionally brought people in or played with other people and a lot of the times it just, it really hasn't worked out. Like, I'm really happy to be playing with Mark and Tony and some of the other people that we play with. Um, but it's it's actually been exceptional in my experience because a lot of the times you find people that maybe you even like them but you just don't like the type of game that they're playing or vice versa you really like the game but you feel that everyone kind of gets on your nerves like like it is it can if you find the right group you really want to hold on to it because it is actually difficult and we're lucky we live in a big city so if i decided tomorrow that i wanted to find other gamers i probably could but someone who lives in a smaller town um It'd be really tricky without playing we've online some, or Skype or anything like we've that. We've met some victims of people who should have moved on or, or you know, should, but were afraid and stayed in certain groups. And Just like relationships. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, completely, completely. Well, it is a relationship. Completely, yeah. completely so parallel. it mirrors the same thing yeah. as real life. Yeah, and you can see with the friends, scars on them. With lovers, with whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was actually a little bit scarred when I came into Eric and Julian and... <laughs> Luckily, it was still early in the game, but I was beholden to one group, a uh, very small group, that was run by a very sort of uh, authoritarian type of person. <laughs> yeah. And even under his oppressive rule, I couldn't get enough of role playing. You learned to love again. I learned to. I learned to love. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to love. But uh, it's important to to distinguish as well that one of the uh, other uh, sort of things that separates gaming groups as well is you have the groups that have one 
dungeon master, mm-hmm. aka storyteller, for the 15 years, right? And that was the role that they were designated, and that group has stayed intact that way for however long, right? And then you have rarer groups where they rotate sometimes, and the storyteller chair is occupied by. We've had the the fortune in our group to all be storytellers to some extent. And we all have kind of our favorite things. And then we bring that flavor to whenever we run. We rotate. And I think that changed the dynamic again. Well, it's always, I, I don't know. I'd have a hard time being just one role. As much as I think most of the time I prefer playing, like being a player, there are those things that I just really, really, really like to run. And and it's a different kind of pleasure that you get out of it. That, you know, when when people are reacting positively to the story that you've laid out for them, and they're exploring it in whatever way they explore, it's tremendously rewarding. But it's also really fun to sink your teeth into that one character and get like really deep inside of it and be the person reacting. Like it's, yeah. It's, oh, yes. It and it sounds if, like a vampire, but you know. <laughs> but again, if you're lucky, if you're, you can get as, as deep as you want with any character creation. It, it only really pays off if the storyteller sees what you're doing. Well, everybody's got to be on board. Yeah. It really, it's, it's, it's a when group effort. Yeah. When yeah. they are, it's amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you have a preference, Mark, um, uh, running or playing? I like both, actually. Okay. But uh, maybe more playing since uh, you only have to, uh, to take care of your character. Uh, DMing is uh, being a dungeon master yeah. <coughs> is um, is much more um, demanding since you have to like control all the rules and uh, it's a fuck ton of work. Yeah, or I've it never, can be. Yeah. I've never worked as hard on my games as I have in school. I, I found ways to cheat <laughs> on I, life. I found ways to cheat to cut it down, and I found a style that works for me, um, which is light on preparation for some things. Uh, I like improving a lot, but I, yeah. I have like cornerstone moments or, or things that I anchor around that I'm like, okay, these this is what I'm building towards, but I kind of don't care how my players get to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in the past, I've I've spent you know if you're playing for four hours and you spent like twice, three times that amount of time preparing, like that that's things I've I, done in the past. I would be in Hollywood right now, probably working <laughs> on one of the Star Wars spinoffs. <laughs> <laughs> if I had if I had the drive that that I've put into game preparation, them, yeah, the the complete focus and 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 obsession and just complete devotion to the the material, I don't think I've ever had anything that meaningful, you know. And I'm not even like a, considered to be a hard. Actually, none of us are hardcore. We're not neither of like we've all played for a long time. But we're not like we don't have any tattoos. Yeah. Well, we. I think that the way I measure hardcore is you don't cancel real life events to game, right? Like you read it. You recognize that often. There. <laughs> thank you. But, no, but you recognize that there are certain things that are as much as you want to play. That you recognize that there are things that are sure. just simply more important. Yeah, you got to see your children than be making born. that regular, yeah. you know, Saturday evening thing. That you're like, okay, like. You know, your wife's in labor. Maybe you're not going to miss that moment, right? Yeah, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe <laughs> it depends, right? If you can, if you can game in the hospital waiting room, <laughs> then you can get. You know, we joke about it sometimes it. Yeah. too. We'll be at parties, right? And then that will somehow actually. Yeah, we'll all up. be there and be like, and you know, like, there's enough of us to game right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like the podcasting thing. Almost, you yeah. know, like we have a bunch. Like we have a really good conversation. It's like, damn, I wish we had the microphone. You could just sneak <laughs> off to the other room and do this, yeah. right? Let's, let's just, you know, we'll just take us to bang out like. Quick podcast, yeah, you know, just a little bit, <laughs> just a little something, something.
greetings, adventurers. Greetings. As you all can see here, we have a new traveler in our ranks. Uh, this is my cousin Tyrell, and he will be controlling the player character. His name is Kanye. Mm -hmm. He's a giant, yo. Oh. <laughs> Uh, dear cousin, <laughs> traditionally, uh, a, a giant is not assumed by a player. It is a chaotic evil. Yeah, but I want to be a giant, yo. All big. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, travelers, you are joined on your adventure today by a giant named Kanye. I don't have any kids, but you guys both have kids. And I know that sooner or later... If your kids are, are you know, th like you said, you were just saying off the air that, uh, you know, your your eldest, Miles, he was like, he's always, you know, he's been curious for a couple of years now. Like, what's going on in that basement when dad's getting together with his friends and pretending to work? Like, what's <laughs> what's actually going on? But, like, like, so clearly you guys, you know, you've been role playing. You love it. You're probably going to want to introduce your kids to it. How do you figure that works? Like, how, how do you imagine you do that? Mark, you want to? I have two girls, so uh, I'm not sure how open to it they will be. Because oh, okay. it's more of a guy thing, I think. It has been, anyways, for a yeah. long time. Less, yeah. Maybe less now <clears throat> than it was, but... Well, there, there are more and more gamer yeah. girls, so it's... Uh, maybe. It's more but, inclusive uh, now, but yeah. typically, you're right, it is kind of a guy yeah. thing. Yeah. So I'm not sure. It will depend if they... If they show interest in it, sure, why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, cool. it, it to, for, it, to me, it, it's it's like I can talk about role-playing all day, but at the end of it, it there was something in me from the beginning that was already there that role-playing just became a natural conduit to, and that's storytelling. Like, that's always been, it's just been like it's the way I talk. It's the way I communicate with people. It's the way I see the world. It's the way I remember things. I tend to weave things into stories and narratives uh, which might may, might be why I went into filmmaking you know but the fact is and podcasting and podcasting <laughs> yeah no I just I tend to weave things into stories regardless and I can't think of any other medium that lends itself so well to that and I can see in, at least in my uh, oldest son I don't know about my youngest because he's a little young it's hard to tell me yeah he's he got a different character too he's a he's a different animal completely uh, but uh, Miles my, is very much like me. He's yeah. very much a storyteller. Um, I mean, even this week I was talking to his mother about how, like, we may put him into uh, an acting school because there's um, he just continually he just he come since he was a baby he imitates other kids for weeks at a time. Sometimes he started stuttering at some point. And we were worried. We thought there was something wrong. We realized there was a, another kid at the daycare that was stuttering, and he was just exploring that for a little while. And he started. He just picks up these ways of speaking, and he imitates people, and 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 he observes them. So your your gut on Miles is that he's probably sooner or later going to want to give this a shot. I, it may not even be up to me because as I was, I, I sent you that picture earlier this week. Yeah. I'm picking him up from school, and I walk by some first graders' locker. And I see a Dungeons and Dragons like original red box first edition cover nice. uh, picture, uh, kind of taped to the the door of his locker, and I'm like, oh shit, this kid is like, <laughs> he's in, right? <laughs> he's one of us. And Chip the, off the old block, <laughs> right? And, and the the lockers at his school even have pictures of the kids, 
like every kid has his picture on his locker and i could see in the kids kind of the way he was dressed and everything i'm like oh his dad passed down this this to him or at least <laughs> the gene yeah the gene it was very specific too he had the dungeon and dragons picture and he had a picture of another system called rifts which you do not fuck with unless your dad has that shit laying around. Nobody right. goes out to go get a yeah, rift. Like you better have a calculator yeah. and oh, yeah. buckets to roll your dice. With. Yeah. <laughs> what both of you were saying though is like you don't like this isn't something to force on a kid. Like it Absolutely. really it has to come from them. They have True. to kind of show yeah. some interest. Like yeah. it's not like the type of thing where like we're going to put them in karate in the hopes that it sticks. It's more like well if you're interested like I'll show you the books. I'll explain how it works. Yeah. I'll help you out, but. Well, I mean, again, it, it's personality based. Like, um, Miles is very, he, since he was very young, he's always wanted to know the motivation behind things. Even when I was showing him cartoons, or, and it's like the bear and the mouse and the whatever. If I say, okay, and the mouse went into the shop and he bought a wheel of cheese, and he's like, well, why is he doing that? Like, he, it was not enough for him to just. <laughs> He was not enough to, for him to just hear that. He wanted to know what the deal was. What's this? What, what's this? What's the deal with the cheese and the mouse? Why does he love? It? And so, that is very indicative of a guy who, a personality that's going to be interested in storytelling and motivation, uh, in in uh, knowing himself and trying things. And so, yeah, it's, that, an, it's an interesting time because. Uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. Uh, it's an interesting time right now because I remember like when I first started getting into video games, I would like. Dad, you want to come? You want to come play? And he's like, Nah, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I got your kids. kids. <laughs> like, I, I don't even want to try that shit. You know, like we tried getting him in like a bunch of times, but now like we're getting into like, oh yeah, the now, dads are the dads are now passing on. Yeah, they're gamers. Like video in both games. Yeah, often. exactly. Yeah. So like, I'll I'll play with my nephew and be like, Hey, let's let's play let's play some video games, and that's like a bonding experience. So totally, I can imagine that this is like. A whole like this the same sort of thing where right? like this is something that you could pass down whereas you know any of our dads would definitely ne- not be into role playing except games. for my my dad oh my dad, d- my dad well my dad plays World of Warcraft and I play World of Warcraft with him okay. and I feel that if he had had the exposure to Dungeons and Dragons or role playing games earlier it's a good chance he would have been for sure and that's board. what it comes yeah, that's what it comes down to is yeah. having the exposure to it and having been part of your upbringing your culture something that you've been into and then being able to uh participate with with your yeah. kids it's like it's it's amazing right. so that that's well, that's a thing right like really you'll be able to conceivably be dming with your kid at the table in not that long i, yeah, I think the day that your kid is dming for you is when you've won yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you know what you don't have to take out the garbage tonight if and only if we can continue the exploration of the keep of whatever right (laughs) (laughs) but when you strip it down when you strip down the role-playing game really it's probably the oldest pastime ever right uh safe for that the oldest profession (laughs) but i'm talking about i'm like i'm imagining the even rougher days where Okay, sure. You spent a good portion of your day uh, running from the wildebeest, <laughs> or hunting it down, or uh, inter-tribal warfare, whatever. But there, there had to have been long hours of fucking nothing in inside the cave, and you know that this has to have been the most natural first. Like even in tribal so- cultures, there's these raconteurs, these scalds, these storytellers. Yeah, these- sitting around a campfire telling a story. I don't know how interactive it was, but right, you know. That is probably that, that. That's a good point. Uh, role playing is really an interactive story, after all. 
Each player brings, like, you have the, the DM that lays the foundations of it, but uh, each player, like, brings up, builds up the, the story to, uh, to make it go on. Like, all the, um, all the stuff we're talking about, uh, how personal our characters are, or uh, how much uh, depthness uh, we give, give to them. It's, uh, it's really all about the story. <coughs> we build stories about our guys and merge them with the the other guys of the team and we go from there do you uh, remember uh, choose your own adventure books i was yeah. that was my i think yeah. that was my gateway drug was i think it? Yeah. i was i was Me reading too. those ever since i could read yeah and uh, i think when i found that that's how i i, le- I leapt over to dungeons and dragons really? i was like wait a second you mean i can do this even cooler where I get to make my own guy and right. like the rules are more interesting and I get to play with other people. I'm like, wow, that more than there are only two choices. Like, yeah. oh, if you go left, go to this page. If you go yeah. right, go to that page. There were different levels. Yeah. Did you did you read any? When you yeah, yeah. I read I read a and bunch of them. Did you enjoy them? Yeah, for sure. For okay, sure. So that, that, and that's what brought it up is that it sounds like that, but just times a hundred. Yeah. Where yeah. you can really choose your own adventure. Like, uh-huh. it seems almost that was like false advertising because you only had a couple choices sure but it was already more than (laughs) you you had a choice on the book that's your first it was more it was already more interactive than anything else you could read yeah Yeah. it was mind-blowing at the time i mean we've had how many conversations have we had about the the having lived through the era of the end of tv as we know it, the end of the passive television watcher Mm -hmm. and the just like uh, essentially watching what you wanted by waiting for it and scheduling it to co- having complete unlimited control to content when you want it. Just binge watch whatever you want. I, yeah. I think and even actually, comment on it. And comment on it. And then possibly if you're live heavy tweet. enough. Live tweet. Possibly if you're into it, you actually may affect the outcome of the next season. Yeah. Right? If you're, you're heavy enough into the communities, you could actually, it could resonate all the way to the creators of the show and they might actually make changes totally. based on. So that, that I think, was the effect of the Choose Your Own Adventure books, but I think. I think that that's, I think that it's funny because we talked about role-playing games and video games and stuff before, but I actually think the Choose Your Own Adventure books are much closer to most uh, video RPG games because of the fact yeah. that, like a book, you're limited in what you can put into it, and it always comes down to choices. But yeah, you don't get to go. Well, I don't want to go left or right. I have a pickaxe in my bag, and I just want to. I'm, I'm, I'm willing through. to spend three days to tunnel through to I'm get to hide the in surface, the turkey, or I'm <laughs> going to hide in the turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll hide in the turkey. That sounds like a euphemism now. Yeah, it sounds like a it, dirty, it, uh, dirty. Sounding euphemism. pretty dirty. But that, uh, that might be the title of this episode: <laughs> hiding in the turkey. What's interesting as well, and I don't know which roles. Um, uh, if we come back to this idea of the group dynamics that it, it makes you explore, right? Um, it, it naturally sort of reveals, I mean, every party, because that's what it's called, the group of fighters or players, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, have to have some kind of a leader of some type, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the rules give you uh, mechanics to determine that automatically, there's a score for your, your charisma, I think it is. You're yeah. talking about the team captain as opposed to the DM, right? Right. I'm yeah. talking about the team yeah. captain, yeah. Okay. And because of the way that the classes are designed and the abilities, no one, not everyone can be the captain, right? 
and that either gets decided or at least you can't be the captain in every situation right like there are certain things you might be good at but that like social interactions you're like i'm awful like i can't be the leader when we show up to a town like that has to be somebody else yeah so Mm -hmm. i mean i guess i wanted to formulate this as a question did it i know what it did for me did it make you did it make you discover things about yourself in terms of where you naturally gravitate in in a group unit like what are you going to be more the medic more the arguer more the this the uh, right did that it revealed things for me uh as i noticed where i tend to go did it reveal things for you um for me i think it uh it makes uh what you truly are more maybe shine um you don't have all the social weight about uh uh is is your boss or is because he was there before you or whatever the, the reason yeah mm-hmm. all the po- on the po- political side it's only like okay you're there and uh, you talk about with your uh, your party and well it ends up that you're the one leading you're the one like yeah. bringing forth the ideas and there's no uh, no weight behind them since the consequences are minimal right so it's it's a really yeah it's kind of risk free yeah because if you fuck, up, you fuck yeah. up and it's not a big deal like right. you're more likely you, you're saying to explore let's say your your compulsion to be the a leader yeah than you would if you were in an office where it might actually jeopardize you or yeah you you're gonna situations. piss your boss off or something like that right that won't happen we're all friends and it's all yeah. for the greater good yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it also and also I I, I like different i like switching around some of the roles that i have um i think the role that i naturally kind of want to am inclined to go towards is the leadership role i think i enjoy not so much the leadership like telling everyone what to do or being the boss but i like being that that character that people kind of fall in behind the anchor and i think most of my most memorable characters that i most enjoyed and that and more importantly than other people that i played with most enjoyed were when we kind of felt like they were being dragged along in my wake because I just took up so much, the character took up so much space that it was kind of like, it was almost like he was a safe place for some miscreant characters to hide behind and be like, okay, we're content to let this guy take take the lead. But I also really like, I, I love playing a support character where like my job is to help everyone else be better or like the healer type, like make people, uh, you know, heal them when they take damage and stuff and be the kind of... Um, wise social glue of the party where like when people disagree i'd like sort of be the peacemaker which is a total reflection of my character like myself it's like that's that's totally the type of person that i am with my friends and my family like i'm the you know the the mediator and yeah sometimes it's fun to kind of slip into that familiar thing and just be like yeah okay i can make the peace between everyone here yeah like that's as much as it is fun to to you know have have a game where I never like being the asshole. I never be, like being the guy who kind of like prods people and makes it complicated for others. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy that. Yeah, and we know, <laughs> I know I people who that. do enjoy that particular role. Yeah, uh, yeah. very much. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably talking about actually three people right now, <laughs> or one of uh, maybe two people. Like, I don't yes, know. Jason, that's you. No, no, no. But it's very interesting what it does to that, to how it uh, makes you either go run home to what you are. Uh, or where you tend to place yourself in social dynamics, uh, or what happens when you're you're thrust into a role that you're not 
you get to again it's that lab lab yeah. well like you're you're yeah. not a naturally a leader type i would nope. feel but some of the most fun that i've had playing with you is when you were playing a character who was the leader like our rogue trader game which is i like to describe to my wife as uh space pirates um opera kind it's of very feel space pirates yeah. Yeah. and um and Jason happens to be the captain of our ship, and I just think he's awesome. He's just so much fun as the captain that, like, I'm happy to take orders from him, and like, it's like it's a lot of fun, and especially nice because it's not the type of he doesn't normally go around barking orders at people, mm. and it's kind of a fun thing yeah, to see him in that role. And, and I'm playing a character that I would no normally play. It's like a, a sneaky, dishonest, <laughs> backstabby kind of just looking out for himself, which like I never ever do. But yeah, it's proved a lot of fun because I guess. We're playing a little bit against our our type, and there's an indulgent little bit of fun too with the world. The same way Mark was saying, like it's um, like consequence free. Like, okay, if you mess up, it's not a big deal. The other thing is, you get to explore these things you'd never do in life, like you yeah. know, pickpocketing something off someone, or you know, totally telling a lie and framing someone else for a crime. You're like, I would never imagine myself <laughs> doing something so hideous. But there's a guilty pleasure in it that when you play a character like that, that you're like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That actually, and I got away with it. Sorry, know? Richard. I can identify to a certain degree just just from playing like tabletop games. You know, like I had a. a a game of risk that was going on yeah, for a very long a game time. Group. It's true. Yeah, I have a gamer group, but it's not mm -hmm. the same kind of game. It's just uh, it's a risk game, and we would play for. Man, I think at some point we were playing ten hours in oh, like wow. one stretch. Like I remember, my brother Danny was gonna win the game, and he he lost because he couldn't wake up for like the fourth time. It was like <laughs> six o'clock in the morning, and he lost as a result because we just, we were shaking him. We couldn't we couldn't wake him up. You know, and uh, Serena, who was on the who was on the, the first lady of Fire and Hall, the first lady of the Fire and Hall, who uh, who was on a couple of episodes ago, she was part of it. Uh, uh, Eric, Shireen, Shireen. We would call it the uh, Danny, Jason. Uh, we would call it the Hate Board, and we would just we would do these horrible things Fire to each other. Fire and Hall, Fire and Hall. <laughs> horrible things to each other. You know, like backstabbing and like. You know all this evil shit that we would never do in in regular <laughs> life, but then like at the end of the game, it was like every it's high fives yeah. all around yeah, and yeah. it was all cool. But man, was it was it fun? Like I think yeah. that was so much fun. I can only <laughs> imagine that it's you know it's somewhat comparable, but it's it's a very benign uh, and uh, like version. Of I would guess of people who get into like choking each other. <laughs> there's also there's a very big difference. There's also a very big difference. It's safe to, danger. Safe danger. Well, there's also a big difference too between something that you're doing in character to other characters, and you know something that you're doing that personally attacks somebody else, right? And I've, I've been playing with Jason for so long that there are certain things I I might steer clear of because I'd be like, this will hit Jason. It won't just hit his character. And that's not okay. That's not fun anymore for anyone. Right. But there are certain things that I know that he'll appreciate if I do to his character. And he'll be like, okay, that was that was pretty awesome. Even though he has to sort of pay a price. You know, like something happens to his character that's like, he doesn't have complete control of his ship because he's sort of unofficially struggling with me because of it. But he also kind of needs me. Hmm. So he tolerates my little excesses. And it creates a really, yeah. yeah, and it creates a really interesting dynamic that makes for good stories. But at no point am I crossing the boundary and going like, ha, 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 Jason, I just fucked you. Like, no. Do you have a safe word? 
<laughs> I think the safe word is if Jason's sort of looking at me over the table and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. What are you doing? I think I've crossed, I think I've crossed the line. What are you that doing? hasn't happened. Drags his thumb across his, his throat. What are you no, doing, No, that's Dave? not the safe word. That's, that we're still okay then. Dave, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but th- this is a, actually, uh, this leads me to one of the other um, sort of key elements to role-playing. Uh, like I said, as you become more and more used to it and be more comfortable with the environment, you can kind of leap off and not have to stick to the rules that much because at this point, you know, the same way as anybody that's into anything, you walk into a room, you're like, oh, okay, you want to, oh, you're down. Okay, cool. We don't need to have the introduction class. We all know what the deal is. But there are mechanics built in f- for somebody who just comes into the game in terms of um, behavior. And that's the concept of alignment right mm. uh, which is a big part of role playing and maybe less so now i don't know what do you well, think it depends the on the system, system. yeah so just explain alignment just well, for those that don't i'll explain alignment but it, it sort of ties in most games have some idea of a guiding principle for a character so uh, certain games it will be like a concept so if your character is the I don't know, let's say he, the, your concept is martyr. So that means your character's kind of guiding ideal is he's constantly sacrificing himself for and putting himself or putting the needs of others instead of himself, right? And that, that would be kind of one way of defining the overall characteristic. Alignment is kind of a, uh, at the simplest state is are you good or are you evil or somewhere in between? And then there's another axis to it, which is, are you more inclined to be kind of a maverick or are you more inclined to be someone who tends to follow the rules, whether you're following them because out of some noble concept that a just society of rules is best for everyone, or you're like, I like rules because rules can be manipulated and I'm really good at it and I can hide behind the rules when something goes bad, right? Like that that's like very rough sort of breakdown of how yeah. that kind of works. And if again, if we go back to the, the 12 year old who's picking up this game, right? This was possibly our first introduction to morality well actually yeah. all three of us we played dungeons and dragons first right yep. yeah. yeah yeah okay so yeah so clearly alignments like it's an introduction to morality because yeah. you're 12 years old and at that point it really comes down to uh okay well i go in and i and i i kill the guy and i take his money and then others are like wait wait you can't do that like of course i can do that well Yes, but your character wouldn't do that because he is of a good alignment and he's a lawful individual. Yeah. And the rules clearly state that there are consequences uh, for doing that. There, are, they were literally consequences in game. Yeah. If you went against alignment, mm-hmm. now of course, as you get more comfortable, you start to play fast and loose. You start to see the gray areas. Um, yep. The interpretation yeah. he just gave the idea of someone who's lawful, not because he respects the law, but because he knows how to play with it or hide behind that's kind of a like next level interpretation right well that's like a, your standard lawful evil idea right and the 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 breakdown is you have a, a, a either good neutral or evil and then law neutral and chaotic um and so like the, they always give it then the book's really good the later books are really good at giving examples from stories of examples so like robin hood would be imagined as a chaotic good person so he does kind of he works outside of the law but with the good of other people in mind, right? So it's like, okay, it's a good template for this is what this should look like. Um, and yeah, the, the lawful evil example is like, you know, the kind of corrupt bureaucrat or corrupt politician who uh, upholds the letter of the law, but is perfectly willing to make it work or, or pass laws to uh, 
you There's, know, like a Donald Trump. And it, <laughs> <laughs> who who said either today or yesterday? This I'm sorry. This is a very quick sidebar, Trump, because <laughs> I'm following now just the sound bites because th- that's really all that's worth following. He literally said in front of his constituents, "I am so untouchable in terms of popularity. Like no, nothing affects my numbers. They just keep going up. I could kill one of you." I could shoot one of you right now, and my numbers wouldn't budge. Seriously, he said that, yeah. and he got a like an ovation. Oh my god! Right, like at this point, the guy is in the Matrix. And the, like and it was like the Beatles said that they were more popular than Jesus, and like yeah, yeah. but that was taken out of context. This yeah, was yeah, not taken sure. out of context. This was straight up. Yeah, at this point, but the effect on their popularity was yeah significant. Right? Absolutely, yeah. but I'm yeah. I was telling someone that. Literally, that after you've said that, I could kill someone yeah. and not lose. It taking your taking your penis out is the next step, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like literally, some just protesters were taken out of his uh, his uh, one of his talks, and one guy was wearing a turban. He's like, he's not wearing a, one of those hats, is he? <laughs> All right, those funny hats. Yeah, he's got great lines. So yes, definitely an example of a of a lawful evil individual. Um, but again, what I guess I'm more interested in in saying, I don't know. Did you play with alignment? Was that a factor when you? you yeah, did? yeah, we uh, more when we were uh, younger. Yeah. Uh, then it becomes like more of. Uh, you go with the, your gut. Ba- yeah, basic guideline, but uh, it's more about the story rather than the rules. But uh, when you're starting off. It's a good uh, gauge for uh, what your character morality yeah. is. Like for someone who's 14, it kind of <clears throat> gives you... Yeah. And, and obviously it, the, the, the whole system is like, it's meant to be with this kind of fantasy world morality in mind. It has less to do with the real world and more like if you're reading Lord of the Rings, like there are very clear ideas of what good is and what evil is. And the D&D worlds tend to assume that that's the case and that people who are good are rewarded in different ways for being good. Just like... People who are evil are rewarded by their evil gods for being particularly nasty, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the real world, which doesn't really kind of work that way, right? So, mm. but yeah, like certainly, I remember being fourteen and being like it was super important, and now it's like, yeah, okay, I guess whatever. I have to write something down, so yeah. I write something that seems kind of right. And but isn't it interesting? Like, there's no other institution in our lives or any source, uh, past maybe a sec, maybe for our parents that ever present us with that kind of nuanced uh, morality uh, play. You're either good or bad, especially if you come from any kind of Judeo-Christian <laughs> upbringing. Yeah. You're either having, so you know, you're awful good and even bad. when you're good, you're bad. Right? Yeah. From, from a filmmaking standpoint, that, that also rings true, right? What do you mean? There's good and there's evil. It tends to be pretty black and white. Yeah. Most, most mainstream films. Judeo-Christian sourced films. Yeah. Um, yeah religiously highly yeah well i mean i just like i said i i can't think of any other source uh in my life where it was not that clear cut you know it was like playing mass effect the first time as a video game player i gotta admit not admit but i gotta imagine that i think it was one of the first games where it gave you kind of a middle end of the road uh choice Hmm. interestingly it's a choice you can make so you can be kind of like self-serving but not evil and not like a goody two-shoes, a paragon of virtue. But the middle of the road actually handicaps you a bit, which is an interesting message, right? If you don't choose a team, then you don't really benefit from having either edge. So you can get really, really philosophical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, D&D kind of works that way too. Yeah. There are a lot of spells and things in game that work 
for or against alignment, but they don't tend to affect the kind of in-betweens. They tend to affect the extremes of either good or evil or whatever. So as an in-between, you're favored or disfavored? It's a it's kind of meh. I think it kind of balances out in the grand scheme of things, but well, it's it's still a story, so you need a good guy and a bad guy. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. Basically, usually the players are the good guys, but yeah. uh, even then, not all systems. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but uh, especially in the in the latter half, or pretty much from the beginning of our group, we've had a greater fascination with broken good people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We've always thought like that's kind of like once you start getting to the in heavier into the more multi, uh, layered role playing, you're like, okay, I've done the superhero, I've done the captain, I've done the the her- brash heroic this, I've done the bar brawling barbarian, I've done the uh, the wizard who wants to save the world, all those Lord of the Ring tropes basically. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we stumbled upon um, playing broken people. Yeah, like a more complex character yeah tra- tragic either villains who can't fully who, who there's some some good left in them or just good people who have some sort of something weighing them down but they still have to be heroes reluctant mm-hmm. heroes they still have to be heroes because no one else will be and but they have to do it while chewing on some personal tragedy in the, in the back there hmm. and that that I yeah, know, for me basically that's the good stuff. characters where the, the sort of stereotype is the characters in these games that do the good thing do it without effort, right? They're just good people and we they did believe it again. in these things. Yeah. But that we like these characters where doing good is not always without effort. That the characters recognize that there sometimes is a personal cost to pay. That You have the villain in your sights and you know that you could murder him in his sleep and it would be totally fine. No one would ever find out. But then you're like... You kind of bite down. And you're like, that isn't the type of person that I am, and you let them escape and deal with the consequences later, right? Like that you hmm. that it, it the choices aren't always easy, and that we find that's more rewarding because every so often you you slip up, and it makes for an interesting kind of like it makes for some interesting. Yeah, it makes you engage in, in deeper decisions. character. Yeah, you know, like the the one who's just doing good just for the sake of doing good seems like almost naive in a way. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and it, the it one can that's just fun. like just purely evil for the sake of being evil just ends right. up being very shallow right as a character and it, that can be actually a concept right there playing like a goody two shoes and then having your shit kind of fall apart <laughs> yeah. right as you're right it's never happened and that it's never <laughs> happened but it, that's that can be super fun right yeah. the morality play of of having um you know i don't know some sort of priest right who heals people whatever and he's all going on about his god and his how his god is benevolent and let's heal the sick and save the children and chase away the monsters that are oppressing the people, uh, you know. And then at some point, he somebody goes, well, you know, you kind of killed that creature with very little hesitation. Some would say you are a murderer, right? And, and like, what? No, no. Uh, what I do is in the name of the righteous one and for good. You're like, yeah, but uh, that thing had a family and it had cubs. And you just fucking murdered it because you just your god decided that whatever and like you're like um I don't like this conversation <laughs> right things like that or yeah. you make a character who's the the uh, unimpeachable knight shining armor and then as a storyteller you can put that guy that an interesting angle right there is to put that person in front of a difficult decision right the evil 
spirit is inside of yeah. the child. It's, or to, yeah, it's your standard no win. Let's say right. You either let Kobe the child. Kobe yeah, Yashimaru. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You you either let the child escape knowing that it's carrying the demon within it, or you commit a gruesome murder in order to save everyone. And you're like, there's no winning in either one of those. Just a character. Those aren't always fun. Like they're they're nice from time to time, but they, because the whole point of the game is to give you know control. You also don't. Did you want... say the whole porn of the game? I heard you say that. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole point of the game is to give um, is you know to sort of give people the option of choice too. So you don't want too many of those. But certainly the way we've played forever, we've kind of, we almost always set up our characters so that there's a natural kind of we want at least one of these Excellent. so that we can carry this baggage around and kind of give us something to play yeah, that with can't be and every explore. Night. That, does that affect your alignment? Uh, it like the, can, like the, although yeah. the, the alignment is more of a general guideline. So okay. if you mess up once, I mean, if you, know, if you tur- turn around and murder some children, yeah, that's probably going to switch you right away from good <laughs> okay. to evil. But if you make one bad decision that, you know, like... And you're, you're maybe remorseful? you're good, but at some point yeah. you steal something from a poor family and you're like, I really regret that, but I really needed this to kill the thing that's terrorizing the village. Maybe you're still good and you can live with yourself, but you're carrying around some guilt for the fact that you weren't as perfectly good as you may have wanted to be. And is the DM that makes that determination? It depends. Yeah. I've changed my alignment myself as a player and gone, yeah, this doesn't work. Or yeah. I've crossed some sort of threshold. Uh, but it can, uh, it can, it's happened in the past when I was mostly when I was younger, where yeah. we met, this thing sort of mattered a little bit more. Where I was like, yeah, that that isn't right. Like you need, if you want to keep playing it this way, that's fine. But you should be changing that on your character sheet. You have to turn in your Halo. Well, the only the only reason <laughs> it matters is because there is an actual in, D- in Dungeons and Dragons. Anyways, there's there is an actual in-game effect to alignment. So in order to make sure someone isn't just picking an alignment that seems favorable to them, but then doing something different. You kind of have to make sure that if you're picking an alignment, you're willing to at least ninety percent of the time kind of live up to that yeah, idea. It's, it's like when you uh, let's say you play a knight and knights are okay, like goody two shoes and, and everything, and then something happens and you like fall from grace or a fallen knight is like a little more interesting, more depth. Like uh, you let someone. Uh, uh, an evil guy, uh, like you beat him fair fight, and you let him live, and he comes back, slays your family, and you hunt him down, and you kill him. So <clears throat> that's fine, but that's not good. So it brings more depth, more yeah, different levels, and yeah. I mean, I think the idea is that when we were kids, alignment was kind of a restriction. It was a way of pre- of preventing your fourteen year old self. From getting a little too trigger happy um, but as we got older it became more of a kind of guideline like okay I would generally put him in this camp but he's not immune to the occasional um, rage. <laughs> yeah he's not immune to the occasional lapse of judgment where maybe he doesn't really live up to what's written there yeah like a like a board game equivalent of what we're talking about would be uh, axis and allies Right where you have the straightforward way of playing Axis and Allies. Right, you have your troops, you have you've chosen your nation, and on with it. And then if you dig into the instructions, there are rules for level two, level three, sort of gaming where you can start adding in uh, circumstantial uh, influencers. Right, suddenly if you play Russia, 
you're going to have lower resources, but you're going to move faster in, in winter terrain. Mm -hmm. And like it starts putting in historical modifiers and things like that because yeah. you want to up the ante. You want to make it even more, you know, the same way that more challenging. Yeah, like one one hand behind my back. I'll just do it. I'll just I'll fight you with one hand tied behind my back. It's it's kind of variations on that mode, mm. you know. Yeah, when you start playing, it's more like rolling dices and beating creatures, and more and more that you go into it, uh, you find that you can get a great depth and much more fun out of role playing. Like moral nuances yeah. and yeah. And like we're making it sound all good, you know, and because at the be in the best of times, this is an imme immensely bonding, rewarding experience with friends. But you know, controversy can occur. I'm sure. It sounds like it. I've seen. Oh, fights. we've got one going on right now in one of our games. What oh, are yeah. we going to do with the beast? Right. 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 But I'm talking about <laughs> things. The th beast. People. We're talking about things slipping out of character and actually oh, yeah, evolving yeah, yeah. That's into. Too. People slamming the door and walking away, uh, friendships actually being affected, mm. uh, someone excluding someone else, uh, personal issues, you know, because you're going that to that place. Deep sure. things can yeah. happen. Yeah. And it's and, you know, it's a pretty serious commitment. Like um, I've been playing with Jason. Let's you know, we aim for once a week, but let's say four out of five weekends or something like that we play. And when I play with Mark, it's every second Friday. Um, like that's a commitment, right? And you 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 expect everyone at the table to take that seriously and to devote that time, which sort of helps with bonding, you know, bonding, making friendships. Because sometimes your friends are really good friends; you don't see them for three, four weeks, but we see each other every two weeks. Mark and I, and I see Jason at least once a week, most weeks. Kind of like um, a podcast. Yeah, I yeah, right. And like, and podcast. so at some point, like, like you know, it's natural <laughs> that when you've spent so much time with people uh that there will be legit disagreements at some point um that you know and and uh, i'm a peacemaker guy so i tend to like to patch these things up when possible but uh um yeah i mean a lot of the the weird things that have occurred historically and a lot of the things that outsiders have sometimes interpreted as, as signs of role-playing games being weird and being kind of the realm of weirdos and dorks etc uh, now less so because that culture is cool, right? The nerds are in charge. The <laughs> geeks are kind of cool. Sexy people are coming out as geeks, you know, admitting openly, even flaunting the fact that they play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we have our heroes now, the Steve Colbert's, the Vin Diesel's, all these guys are Vin now Vin like... Vin Diesel is not my hero. Yeah, but he's Colbert, here. Yeah. <laughs> he's a hero. I actually like that guy. I no, I, I don't. Like I, I'm just joking. I have no issues. He's kind of like really a fun, He's like a weird contradiction. He's like yeah. a, a, a dork in in like a jock's body, which doesn't happen very often. I, I feel like for most of my life, that was my situation. Jason. Well, there you go. So you should like Vin Diesel. Like Vin Diesel. Like him now. But uh, because... He's your spirit animal. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, you guys have to see this video that's been going viral of an old 1990s video of Vin Diesel with hair, where he's just like a shill for like uh, toys, like 80s Mattel toys, and he's doing a live demonstration of all the new line of toys coming out for Street Sharks. If you remember Street no. Sharks, yeah, I remember Street Sharks. Yeah, he's literally the no. salesman for the Street Sharks, and he's on this some kid TV show. And he's in this like leather vest. He's ripped, shredded like crazy, right? He's got <laughs> hair, and he's 
still Vin Diesel, but he's like, check out the punch action on Mega Roar and Mega yeah. and, and Razor Tooth or whatever. It's fucking hilarious. Um, we'll link in the comments. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, what I was trying to say is that um, um, obviously because for some people, this kind of environment can be a savior and even a safe haven. I think the the dark side of gaming maybe we could talk about a little bit of that it sounds sexy but the dark side of it dark is side of the dark side of gaming is that some people go in too deep and actually instead of becoming more sociable and becoming more outgoing and more you know growing as individuals kind of uh use it as a, they just stay in that bubble and it becomes everything and they don't interact with other people and they get increasingly more man childlike and weird and kind of obsessed with just the control that they have in this virtual environment and it sort of yields a kind of a, a gamer stereotype of the trench coat overweight guy with the ponytail with the klingon battle knife on his belt <laughs> and the pins uh, who talks all in gaming code all the time he's got his little pouch with the dice in it and like he just he's in too deep like inception style he, he he hasn't come back out but he's like 48 now right he's an engineer but that's his entire social life and so it's uh like any addictive i think i don't know what you guys think about that but that's i think that's certainly responsible since we're living such live emotions in this environment it can be a bad place sometimes yeah i, I played with a guy that kind of <clears throat> lost uh reality some kind of he checked out yeah he was like uh, Thor was really a god and he worshipped Thor and I was like what oh shit okay he went full <laughs> yeah yeah full yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like okay <laughs> he was worshipping Thor for real yeah yeah he was He's getting like, tattoos uh, yeah okay convinced wow well there's so. always been sort of people who have not been as successful as maybe the people around this table thank you at, <laughs> at separating maybe. fantasy from reality right and so yeah i, I, like I don't that. think it's fair to put that on the on the back of role-playing games no like, I, can I don't see, think so you can, can have see, that in video games you can have that yeah. in, you know no, i'm like not blaming I, but I, can that see, can occur. I can see how a, a, a role-playing game can um appeal to certain needs of people in that situation but i feel like if role-playing games weren't around or weren't an option uh, it, it's not like this person suddenly would have their life together and everything would be great right like i feel like they would have been into hungry hungry hippos yeah like exactly something. right or they or they'd be playing you know they'd be playing world of warcraft 23 and a half hours a day like whatever it was it'd be something else so i think that like that's it you know, it's it's always the danger. You know, you blame Marilyn Manson for the Columbine shootings. You blame yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. We're certainly for, not going down that. Road. Yeah, like video games for violence. And yeah, exactly. Right. Like whatever. it's just it's just too easy. Yeah. Um, and also the dynamic of the people you play with can have a lot too, right? Because the people that I've played with, I've always found really friendly, supportive, fun to hang out with. I never felt like they weren't people who didn't have lives outside of role-playing games, right? I mean, maybe when I was 14 or 15, but then, you know, all we had was high school anyways. Um, but, like, as, a, as an adult, like, I never felt like I was playing with people who had nothing else going on. And so you never fell into that trap of thinking that this was enough. Right. You probably like chose like, your gaming friends the same way you would choose your real life friends. I guess, but I, I, I kind there's of felt, probably a lot of overlap between them. Yeah, yeah. and I felt like 
Eh, could be. But <laughs> I also feel like there's a weird kind of, uh, well, this will sound cheesy and Jason will never let this go, but there's like a weird kind of um, falling in love weirdness about the whole thing that like you kind of recognize, you're like, this is someone I want to play with. This is like, you kind of know it, I feel, fairly quickly. You're like, all right, these are people I want to hang out with. And and the quality of the game, it, to me, is easily as important as the quality of the people, right? Like, I would be happy to play a game. I wouldn't be happy to play a game that was amazing with people who I didn't like. But I'd be more than happy to play a game that I was kind of so-so on because it meant spending more time with these people, right? And like like Jason and I, like we've been playing forget forever. And there are games that I've played in with Jason and company that I thought were, eh, okay, less interested in this, but I'm happy to what? spend time with Jason. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Blame Sam or Julian. What? They're not here. Um, no, but there have been games that I've played that I've, for whatever reason, I'm like, eh, just not getting into this one as much. But, you know, I get to hang out with my buddies, so what do I care? Yeah, there's one-offs, of course. There's one-offs. Yeah, there, there are a couple of, yeah, on the whole, I'd say we, we have really good games. you got to have them in order to to hit that sweet spot sometimes well and sometimes you just just experiment you try something and for whatever reason it doesn't work you're like all right i'm gonna run this everyone's gonna be really happy about it and then after you play everyone's like "Eh, yeah it was great and then two two days later they're like yeah actually we didn't i think your motivation for doing the gaming thing seems very similar to the motivation for us doing a podcast i was gonna say (laughs) mark you want to they're not always perfect but you know what we get to hang out with some cool fucking people right but it does even if the game is not like that good or it doesn't mean it there won't be like those moments that are hysterical or just like there's so much that you'll remember like forever exactly yeah no, it, it creates memories. It creates yeah. inside jokes. It creates a bunch of really funny. Oh, so many inside jokes. <laughs> so inside. <laughs> there's like can never explain yeah. them to anybody. In there's like years. pantheon. There, there's expressions where I think we're starting to forget where some of the expressions came from <laughs> or who coined them. Well, just the escapism from like the you know monotony of life, you know, seems to be attractive just on it, on its own. You know, like to be able to explore all this stuff that. You know, our souls are being killed by our, you know, day-to-day nine-to-fives and all the bullshit that we need to do, paying rent and paying our bills and stuff. It's cool to be able to just, you know, set a time, some uh, set set some time aside and do something interesting. Yeah, yeah. With and it's people very, that you like, you know? and it's very egalitarian, right? It's like no matter what anybody is is doing <clears throat> in their life, no matter what they're at, it's like everybody sitting at that table is the same. Right. right. It doesn't matter that, you know, one guy's, you know, making billions of dollars and the other guy's just scraping by. You're like when you're there for that five, six hours, everybody's the same. Everybody's just having beer, pizza, whatever it is, having a good time. And like none of that stuff matters. Like, you're and if you're a dick, you're not invited next time. Yeah, that's one thing I would, uh, I would no definitely do. No matter how much money you got, <laughs> stay home. No, no, but if, if, you, uh, if you start being a, a dick... Or any kind of, if you have any kind of extreme personality, the the game f- has an organic way of kind of flushing, flushing that out pretty quickly, right? You can't maintain that. If you think you're going to come in and you know, roll the roost or whatever, I'm not even sure I use that expression properly. But if you think you're going to come in and be the big the big dick, and, or you're going to call the shots, you know, uh, you you got another thing coming. Like people will eventually, the group will kind of be like, okay. You know, that was funny and fun for like one, but like, okay, this is clearly about you, buddy. And this is a group activity. So go be a big shot over there. We're just going to keep playing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just going to keep doing our thing. Um, And 
I guess that brings me to the the dynamic between the last sort of not the last we could go on quite a bit about this but <laughs> one of the most Maybe. interesting dynamics that I think you don't find again in any other kind of game is this weird separation uh, between the leaders naturally or unnaturally within the game and the role of the storyteller the game master the dungeon master that's a very p particular realm you're this person who you know has to conjure up all these images you're essentially playing like a bunch of characters uh, and you're playing furniture you're playing uh, climates you're 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 essentially breathing out this world for people to either get involved in or not and that's a very interesting experience because it's equal parts control but then let go but then control yeah. but then adapt because somebody decides to tunnel through a you breed life in in the world yeah. which the players do as as they wish if we can say uh with but it's uh it's a uh, really demanding and a really uh rewarding to uh when you do it well when you see that players enjoy it it's a uh, it's a really nice yeah that's uh, kind of the payoff yeah uh, right I, yeah i think like I if you're a control like my, freak you're not gonna have fun yeah but i think i like my my sort of over elaborate analogies but i i, I came up with this one which i think i like is Let's say the way that you look at the gaming thing is the dungeon master is hosting a party, but it's a potluck party. So how you set the table will determine how people act when they come to the table, right? So everyone's bringing their own dish, their own thing. But if you set the table very formal, uh, then that's going to kind of suggest or dictate or direct people in a certain direction. On the other hand, if you just kind of stick a mason jar in the middle with some knives and forks and napkins in it, then you're sending a very different message. And both can work, but that's kind of like, I kind of view the dungeon master's job as setting tone, color, flavor to the whole thing. And you've got the referee aspect of it too, which is like, I want to do this. You're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. Or, okay, you want to try it. Here's how difficult it's going to be. Judge, jury, execution. Yeah, like that's what you the, are. There's, you know, that's the thing. So it's more like you kind of set it, you kind of set the table there, and then you kind of stand back and you take a little bit from everyone's plate, and then you kind of let them go with it. But I kind of view the job as it's their meal. The 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 games that I enjoy the most are the games where I have to do the least when I'm running. Because it means I've done my job. It means I don't have to step in and control or say or do anything. The players have enough to go on that they can keep going the story forward. And my job is to identify the moments where that seems to be lagging and that they need something from me to make a decision. Maybe there are details they don't have, information they haven't figured out. And that at some point, rather than have the game stall, I might give it to them or find a way that they can get back on track without making it feel there's kind of a little bit of a deception going on without making it feel like they're making the decision I've wanted them to make all along but that's kind of what I want and the flip side is there's a bit of a compact between the players which is the players are free to do whatever they want but they also recognize that the person running the game has a story going and so most of the time they'll be considerate of that. You don't eat the last and, piece and of they'll try. Yeah, they'll, they'll try to kind of <laughs> go, okay, it's clear that Eric's got some idea of where this is going. So let's bring it back a little bit so we can see what the next, the next step is. Sounds a lot like running a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. true. It's a social yeah. experiment. It's a yeah, social totally gathering. Man. And uh, no, I think the, the I think potluck... That's very well put. 
the table but like uh, would you want to add anything to that no it, it really sums it up it sums it up right yeah. and like you're gonna when you have let's say you step to that table after the meal is finished if there's shit everywhere you're like fuck these guys <laughs> I'm not having these guys back fuck these people right and if they're there like hey dude we'll uh, help you do the dishes and uh, hey I, can I, I'll take out the garbage but while actually like, more than oh, that oh. is they've planned their dishes accordingly so they all work together that's the obligation that I expect of my players when I run mm -hmm. a game, which is make whatever the hell characters you want, but it has to work together. You have to be a party. So I don't really care how weird you are as long as you can be friends, and I don't have to constantly find reasons to stick all of you together. You want to stay together, and when one of you needs help with something, the other ones will kind of go along. So like that's the player's responsibility. It's my responsibility. I'll set the table, but you guys have to make a cohesive meal between the three or four or five of you so that when we sit down, it's clear that we're all eating the same thing, right? It's all the same party. And not everyone's like, I made Mexican. Someone made like sushi or like that doesn't work. <laughs> or like, doesn't and work. you have to bring something. Yeah. 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 You have to be willing to bring yeah, something bring and something contribute. and make it good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. okay. Even if it's not great, like, because there are different levels of skill, right? Like, I mean, when I've played with Mark, we've played with with players that were more experienced and some that were less so. And, and you have to account for that and be willing to let people kind of grow and evolve, but they have to be willing to kind of try. You have to be willing to, okay, I might get this completely wrong. I might go shopping when I should be slaying dragons, but I'm going to, I'm going to try this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an ultimate form of, I think at the, at its finest, at its most pleasant and its most sophisticated, uh, a dungeon master almost doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Because the players are so engrossed that he doesn't even have to go like, oh, well, Richard made a knight and uh, he's from, um, he's from uh, a noble family that was disgraced. Okay, I better come up with a thing so that he gets to deal with that and, and confront that. You, once you're at that high level, at, at that, that sweet spot, right? You, you don't even have to do that because another person will bring it up. <laughs> and will somehow weave it into their own story. And uh, it doesn't even matter anymore. It's like, uh, uh, what is it? What's that movie with Matt Damon? Uh, with the cards? Uh, the poker one. Uh, the, um, oh, uh, Rounders? Rounders. Yeah. Where he says, uh, the judge is like, come on, sit down with us, kid. Like, come play. He's like, uh, judge, if you sit someone like me down, the cards don't even matter anymore, right? It's not even about the cards for me anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a, psych, it's a psychological game. That's kind of where it goes. It goes to this like almost uh, like the crazy deep game where the 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 dungeon master just sitting back like giggling as these threads, these stories are weaving together, and players are telling you they're creating, and then you're just looking at them like, of course, I intended this the whole time, but yeah. <laughs> right, and they're looking at you like, Richard, oh my God, you knew that we would all converge on this city and fight the evil. And you're like, well, yes, <laughs> I. I did, in fact. No, I did not. You guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this amazing catharsis, I guess, yeah. this feeling, I guess, around the table. So it's True. easier to be a DM when you have uh, good players? It's easier to be a DM when everybody's got a bit of a DM in them. And it's easier to be a podcaster when you've well, got good guests? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think the bottom line is everybody, it works when everybody at the table is thinking about the same story. Right. rather than thinking about different stories. Hmm. So if everyone kind of buys in and says, okay, this is what the story is about, every decision I'm making 
is mine it's my character's decision but it's made with an eye to is this how's this going to work with the story so making a decision that seems right for your character but would totally monkey wrench the whole thing for everyone i wouldn't make it i'd rather change my character slightly to accommodate a stronger story right Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that if you have players and a dm that are all in the same wavelength it just works it just works everybody's custodian of the same story and it works it's all about the story yeah it's right, all yes. I'm, I'm converted when, so right, when can I join a game well, exactly I was you just have to about read, to say you have to read these three books yeah you read these three books here are right. three books to prepare you first attach him to the meter <laughs> wait that's Scientology sorry uh, so uh, maybe as a parting shot uh, if I could put this around the table um, can you imagine yourself playing at 60 70 Definitely. It sounds when people tell me that I was I was chuckle because I'm like, actually, it will probably be even easier to play at Absolutely. that point. Absolutely, because I'll be retired. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll have to be at the same retirement home though, because traveling uh, is going to be a bitch. You know that that must happen. There's got to be a retirement home somewhere where some some well, old timers are busting out us, some fucking. Three of us who went to the cottage. And that was the joke for the weekend, the retirement gaming the, home. The reunion. <laughs> the retirement gaming home. <laughs> yeah, so where we're like, we we're the, forgetting who your character is. Yeah, like. you've got that. You've got the other. Per- yeah. Some of us are on like, on like, uh, we're the in IVs. on IVs, IVs and we're like forgetting supports. our meds. Yeah. <laughs> for like You're half an hour. We're dentures. We're shit. laughing about just imagining ourselves in our 80s getting together to, uh, to play again. So, guys, this has been really great. Yeah, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I've, lot le- of I've fun. learned a lot. I, I didn't see the, the, the time go by at all. Yeah. Did, did this at all like enlighten you? or to I the, think to I, the, I'd already learned a little bit from, from, from you. Like uh, Before we'd talked about it, I think that... Uh, You've picked my brain about it before. But yeah, yeah, a bunch of times. Does this, does this reveal some of the mystique to it? or does it? I see a lot it? of parallels with some of the pursuits that, that we do, like uh, podcasting, as I mentioned before, or some of the tabletop games. Yeah. And, I mean, it's certainly you know, not the only activity that has that kind of payoff. Like, right. I wouldn't want to make it sound like if you're not no. role-playing, like yeah. you're missing out. Like, right. I, I feel that way because I love it so much. But I don't. Chess clubs like, probably have similar things. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah. anybody who's into one thing, like you know, pretty. It just allows more like uh, fluidity, I suppose. Like more, more storytelling. More, you know, if you're naturally inclined to storytelling or problem solving or you know it any kind actually, of creativity, like you can you can explore all this stuff without having to uh, necessarily adhere to like a like a, a mechanic that's already set up like yeah. as in a video game or in chess or i was just you know. i was just gonna like say i think maybe for me gaming now is more precious than it's ever been because of the kind of disconnected connected society we live in with all the things we've talked about with people having their faces buried in their computers and phones and yeah. constantly like uh, you know zombified i think this kind of human contact now may be more more rewarding than ever yeah. yeah. No screens, real people. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and also just the dedication to spending the time, right? Like it seems Using so pencils. easy to let things slide and be like, oh, I'm busy, whatever. But that commitment to every week or every two weeks that you commit the time, very few people I meet, gamers, well, gamers tend to be the exception, but most people don't have a regular, like, like I see my friends every week. And every week is my time with them and my wife understands and respects and, you know, she's not like she, it's like, that's my time with them. And a lot of people, they don't have that kind of, uh, 
physical proximity to their friends where they get to see them regularly like mark said in person no screens just phones off like it's just there that's that's what i keep coming back to is the is the podcast where this is episode 20 we've been doing it for a little while now and some of the things that we've noticed doing this is that like you know it forces us to hang out with people that we like yeah you know it's never a bad thing right you know like it (laughs) It we for- can occasionally realize that we didn't like someone as much as we thought we did. Yeah, it uh, happens from time to time. But <laughs> 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 just kidding. But you guys are cool. <laughs> you guys are cool. <laughs> I've been on three times, so if you don't like me, you're hiding it very well. <laughs> yeah. We like the way we hate you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We'd love to hate you. we love to hate you. That's uh, okay. You know, we all turn off our phones when we sit around the table. Yeah. We all have a, a, a conversation. We let each other finish each other's, you know, our, our thoughts. Uh all that stuff is super rare yeah. you know like most people are checking their phones they're talking to you they cancel on you all the time uh you know this forum kind of forced you to do that so uh, like as you're talking about this interaction that you're having around the game it, it seems very similar to what we're doing with with the podcast or we're trying yeah it's grounding yeah, yeah. yeah and it's word back to basics and it's great you know like we get a chance to hang around with a lot of the people that we like the most like regularly and it's time that we set aside yeah. to do that and everything else is like okay fuck you work fuck you other friends fuck you procrastination phone. fuck you yeah. facebook like all that shit yeah and it's completely like, this is what we're doing right now it's pure it's there's yeah. no monetary motivation the motivation is to just be in the same room and share ideas and stuff thank you very much for coming out eric thanks man. Uh, awesome. even though you've this is your third time it's always a pleasure to have you. i love coming on i really do you're uh, definitely an addition to the show so um fire in the hole guys fire, fire in the hole, the hole. There you fire go. in the hole fire in the hole there you go <laughs> <laughs> If you like the Fire in a Hole podcast, um, there's a couple of ways that you can help us uh, keep the show going and to uh, keep this broadcast um, happening. And how can you do that, Richard? Just uh, check us out on iTunes. uh, Rate, subscribe, uh, leave us some comments on uh, SoundCloud. Yep, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Um, spread the word if you like what we're doing Um, let us know if you have thoughts about the show and uh, you know send us messages if you want to be part of the show and if you think you have something cool to contribute fire in the whole podcast at gmail.com there you go so fire fire in the whole podcast on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud check it out and thank you for listening thanks very much guys